0: presence of the Lord in this place today and God wants to minister to us today if you came looking for something today would you raise your hand and say brother Herring I've come looking for something I need something from God today I don't know about you but I've had a week that I need God to fill my cup today amen hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. bless the Lord all my soul amen thank you praise and worship team for leading us into the presence of the Lord today then they do just a fantastic job today? Amen. Thank you for all your hard work. Amen. At this time, let's all stand this morning. It is our, our great honor to have uh, two of my biggest heroes in the whole world. Amen. These are the coolest, most wonderful people in all of creation. Brother and Sister Anderson, they are uh, appointed missionaries to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, we've hung out a lot in Brazil, and uh, these are my good friends, and uh, it's my honor to have them here today. I don't know if Sister Tiffany's going to preach today, or Brother Anderson, whichever one wants to preach, but amen. Let's give them a great, big, huge Christ life welcome today. Amen. Come on, I think we can do better than that. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord, everybody.
1: Amen. You can be seated. In the house of the lord it's so good to be here and feel the presence of God and uh so strongly in this place. Uh, I am going to have my wife testify in a few moments. Um, we usually try to draw straws to see who 's going to preach you know and uh I think i I lost um, or or won i i I forget either way i 'm up here either way you 're stuck with me this morning uh, but it 's so good to be here we We love the uh, we love pastor and sister herring they are Uh, incredible people we've been able to hang out a lot in brazil uh he's ministered in such a great way in brazil um we love having him down we hope he continues to come down um you know he does such a great job everybody loves him there is one problem though uh there there, there is some sort of false doctrine that goes around a little bit um because some of the brazilians start saying that don't speak english they start coming up and speaking english and they say dathan is the best and uh He goes down there, and I think Brother Herring's made it his life mission to teach all the Brazilians in our (laughs) crusades just a few words. Dathan is the best, and uh, no, but we love having Brother Herring down in Brazil. Uh, We love being here uh, in America. We've just got back. We started deputation in November. We've been down in Brazil for the past three and a half years and we've seen God do incredible things. Uh, We believe that there's still a great work to be done and that it's not really uh, over. It's not about maintaining what's been done, but it's about continuing and going forward in the future and growing what's already there. Currently, all around Brazil and our churches right now in Brazil, we have somewhere around 180,000 people on Sundays that get gathered together in churches all across Brazil that are a part of the United Pentecostal Church. And just this past year alone, we had at least reported over, over 17,000 <clears> baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost just this past year in Brazil. Amen. God's pouring out his spirit. So we're seeing growth at 10%. And we believe that there's going to be a greater growth in the future. We're in the city of Sao Paulo. Uh, Brazil's a large country. It's about the size of America. Uh, if you take away Alaska and land area, there's 210 million people in Brazil. And in the city of Sao Paulo is a city of about 23 million people in the metropolitan area. We have some churches that are on the outside. In the, in the past three years, uh, when we first arrived in Brazil, there was one Bible school that was producing because uh, if we're going to reach this harvest, we have to train the locals, and it's not just going to be about sending Americans down to do it all. Um, but since the past three years, we now have three Bible schools that are established in the state of Sao Paulo that are producing ministers that are going out into the harvest, and we're seeing new churches being planted outside of the city. In the city of Sao Paulo, though, 23 million people, there is not an apostolic presence yet, and that's our goal, and that's our mission. We're gonna go back, and we're gonna plant an apostolic church in the center of the city of Sao Paulo in a Bible school, and that there will be a harvest, and there will be a great revival, and it's not because of who we are, but it's because of he, if he wills it, if God determines it, that it's going to happen, and we're excited to see what God's already doing. Before we left even come back, Uh, To America, we were, uh, just before we came back, a Trinitarian pastor, Assemblies of God pastor, called, and he wanted us, Tiffany and I, to go to his church and give him a Bible study. Uh, He said he was reading the book of Acts, and any red-blooded preacher will get excited when a Trinitarian pastor calls uh, with those kind of questions. So we arrived to his church, and this man, you know, we're we're young. Tiffany and I are young uh, missionaries. We're still in our 20s. Sometimes we arrive to places, and I don't know, uh on deputation and I don't know if they have our picture or anything cuz I think they they're expecting our parents to come in after us or something you know it looks like we're kind of just coming in and, and like our parents are going to be following us. But this man, he, he was older. He's my parents' age. And we arrived to his office. And I'm not qualified to do any of this. I'm not, I'm not a guru expert on the oneness of God. No one's calling me to do these seminars. I know the basic doctrine. And we arrived in his office. And the first things I said to him, we sat down. I said, you know, pastor, I respect you. You're obviously a man of God. You know the scripture. You, you, you're, you're very smart. And I'm not here to convince you that I'm Right. I'm just here to explain what I believe, and I just believe that if God convinces you, if God moves in this place... You know, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And if God convinces you and if God reveals this to you, then you're going to know that it's truth. And he said, okay, let's go ahead. And we begin to explain and go through the scriptures and all of a sudden about midway through it just revealed on his face, you know, that look of revelation, it just came across his face. He said, yes, what you're saying is true. This is absolutely true. I want to be baptized in Jesus name. He was baptized in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. He then baptized his family in Jesus' name. Within a month, he had taught baptism in Jesus' name to his congregation, and he didn't lose anybody because of it, and actually, since he started doing this, since he baptized his entire church in Jesus' name, they've actually grown, and he's been preaching now baptism in Jesus' name all around Sao Paulo, and now baptizing other ministers in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, the revival that's gonna happen in these last days, it's gonna be large that we're not even gonna be able to control it, and if you try to control it, it's not gonna going to happen, but I believe that if we just let God be God, if we just let him move and and do what he wants to do, that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Because I was, before this happened, we were in Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is like New York City of South America. It's it's massive. It's impossible to buy land. Uh, Rent is sky, uh, it's just... uh, it's, it's, it's insane to rent anything. We didn't have the money to do any of that. We were living on an AMER budget, which is, which is an associate admissions budget. Brother Dathan, he rode around in our car. Uh, he knows how it was. We were roughing it. And I said, my God, what are we going to do? There was no apostolic church, and we helped establish other churches and that were starting outside of the city, but God made a way where there really didn't seem to be a way, and I just believe that he's going to continue doing that. And we're going to see great end-time apostolic revival in Sao Paulo, amen, and all across Brazil. And it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of this church. Uh, we've seen just God doing incredible things, and uh, we're excited to be going back. We're over halfway through our deputation, so we're believing that we're going to be going back soon uh, to Brazil. So we're asking you to pray for us, continue uh, to lift us up in prayers. Your prayers make a difference, and I do believe that God has a plan for us, and I just want to call as well my wife up. She's going to say a few words. Ayma pode vir para frente, glória a Deus. She is amazing. She's a minister. She ministers all around Brazil in ladies' meetings, and she ministers in real church as well. She's incredible. Amen.
2: Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I just wanted to say that we are—you guys—are our heroes. The hearings are our heroes, and we count. It's an honor that you guys are our friends, and um, as has already been said, Brother Dathan, you know, he has a charismatic, outgoing personality, and he's basically people that we met at restaurants, have come to church with us because of Brother Herring, and, um, it's an honor that they are our friends, and I wanted to commend them as well for all the hard work they've put into this building. I found out that this is you guys have only been here for about a year, less than a year, and all the work that has been put into this place, it's beautiful, I love the building, all the graphics, everything, and um, I commend all of you for the hard work, I commend all of you as well, these beautiful kids on the front row, and um, that's basically how my family got in church, is because of this, of the type of ministry that y'all are doing with the kids, And um, my uncle was picked up by a pastor every Sunday. And then he brought my mom. He brought my aunts. And eventually my grandma entered the church that way. And I just commend all of you. Um, I just wanted to testify really quickly about the power of prayer. How many believe there's power in prayer? There really is. And if we really believe that, that's when we start praying more. Is when we realize how powerful our prayers are. It's not just like, okay... God, you're going to have to just do your will or not do your will. Whatever it is, it's his will, you know. But no, you have the power when you pray to unlock things, to have things really done here. It makes a difference. And um, one, about a year ago, um, something happened that really opened my eyes to this type of thing. And we were on our way home, actually, from dropping off this Trinitarian pastor at his home. And a lot of our churches and where people live, these pastors that we know, they live in favelas, which are basically Brazilian slums, and a lot of times they're really dangerous. Um, and we were stopped at a red light, two lanes this way, st- all the cars stopped, and two lanes coming this direction. And all of a sudden, four armed men started coming down, looking inside every single car. And um, in Brazil, guns are illegal so if someone has a gun you, and they're not a policeman or uh, military you know that they're up to no good so they were looking in every single car but when they got to our car they didn't even look we they were we were the only car that they did not look in and so we said oh thank you Jesus you know and they passed by. But the next morning, Marcus, one of our Bible school students, um, we teach at three different Bible schools, and Marcus is one of our students. He messaged my husband and said, Brother Aaron, last night at 1030, I woke up, and um, I woke up from a dream of four men coming, you know, to your car, trying to rob your car after you were leaving a big, beautiful church. And I just had such a burden on my heart for you and I started to intercede for you both and I don't know maybe that's really random maybe that doesn't mean anything to you but I had that dream and I don't know what it means because we hadn't shared what had happened the night before with anybody and we said Marcus that was in the Holy Ghost at 10:30 last night we were at the red light and this happened you know and so when God puts someone on your heart, follow that believe that you know that's not just by accident that God has led you by the Holy Ghost to do something. How many people in here have the Holy Ghost? You guys have the Holy Ghost. That is the most that is the most awesome gift that you have and you have power when you have the Holy Ghost. You have when you pray for people, sometimes when you don't even feel anything in particular or special, God could be doing something through the Holy Ghost through you. One time my husband, our first trip in Brazil, he had an unfortunate fall and broke his back, had to have surgery in Brazil. All of this stuff happened and You know, he recuperated. We came back to the U.S. during some of that recuperation. And when we went back to Brazil, we were there for a year. And at the end of the year, we started adding up how many people got the Holy Ghost, how many people had gotten healed. And we noticed a pattern of back healings without us even trying for that to happen. One time, Aaron was just praying with the bassist. His name was Hanato, and he's about our age. And he just started going crazy, jumping up and down and crying and being touched by God. And we said later, Hanato, what happened, you know? And he said, Aaron, I five years ago, I was in a motorcycle wreck, and I have not been able to jump since then. But as soon as I felt your hand touch my back, I knew I was healed. Aaron didn't know that. He didn't feel anything, you know, an impression to go and pray for him. He was just praying in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes when you're just praying with your brothers and sisters, you don't know what God's doing in the spirit there have been times that we've prayed at the altar with people we get messages you know months later you didn't know but i wasn't able to have a baby and now i have a baby girl named anna julia and just stuff like that that you don't know what god is doing in the holy ghost and i want to encourage all of you to pray pray for us pray for your pastor pray for each other because there is power in your prayers and all the power you need amen all the power you need is in the Holy Ghost. When everyone in here, you raised your hand, you said you have the Holy Ghost. That is the power. That is all the power you need. You don't need to think, oh, I have to get all this together and do this and this and this and do this checklist before I can be used of God. No, you have everything you need right now. Don't wait for a blaring sign in your face or God to smack you upside the head. He has given you a purpose in this life to do. All you have to do is follow the Holy Ghost. And follow its leading. Amen. God has a plan. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we've seen God do amazing things, but it's not anything to do with us. It's all because of him and his plan and his purpose. And so we're going to sing in Portuguese and in English, Jesus at the center, because I have to make that my prayer every day. If I don't make that my prayer every day, my flesh gets in the way. We're fighting that flesh every single day until we make it to heaven. It's our natural desire to just sit there and do nothing. But I have to say, no, Jesus, it's not about my comfort. It's not about what I want to do. It's about putting you at the center of everything. Because I know you have a plan. And if I just follow my desires, my, worth, my life will be worth nothing. But you have a plan. And there's sometimes he does things I don't understand, I don't get. I might not ever understand this side of glory. But he has a purpose. And his way is always the best way. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's sing Jesus at the center. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I put you at this center, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
1: Hallelujah. Praise God. I wonder if we can all come to a stand here. Amen. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. I believe that God wants to do something in this place tonight. How many of you believe that? Come on. I wonder if there's anybody here that came in here with a need from the Lord right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if we could just go to the book right now of Isaiah chapter 35 amen I'm not going to be very long I'm just going to hit hit it and go home I know it's getting late and I don't want to take too long amen in Brazil being long is almost required um, a lot of times people travel an hour or two or three on public transportation and walking and to get the service so you don't want to give them a 30-minute message and and kind of say all right that's it they're like is that it <laughs> I traveled three hours for that. <laughs> no, that's um, that's on a good day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, there have been times uh, in Brazil. You know, the, the scripture written written instant in season and out of season. Uh, that was for Brazil. There has been times um, I I arrived to a pastor's. His his mother had passed away. I arrived to the funeral, and I'm just going to support the the wonderful pastor. And uh, uh, they hand me the microphone. Uh, to do the funeral, <laughs> and I'm a young guy. I've never done a funeral before, so I did what anybody would do in that situation. I consulted Brother Google over here. Google funeral verses. <laughs> I said, "Oh God, I'm about to butcher this." There was another time we arrived at church, and they told me about five minutes. Hey, we got you to. We we got a baby for you to dedicate. Never done a baby dedication, <laughs> Brother Google baby dedication verses. <laughs> was not preparing for that, but God is merciful, and um, I do believe that God has a great plan to do. Uh, one of the things that impacted me so much in Brazil, one of our good friends in churches, uh, he's a young minister my age, uh, he, he, he's a minister, he looks, he dresses like us. A uh, few years ago, he was living in the gutter uh, in one of the large cities in Curitiba, and he was homeless, he was a drug addict, his family had disowned him, but God... But God reached down and saved his life and transformed him and, and made him new. And you can't tell me that this thing isn't real. I've seen it in action too many times. I've seen people that were part of drug cartels that had killed people come into church that are now ministers of the gospel, that are preachers of the word. And he's transformed. And I, we, we were doing a street evangelism, and he sees a man on the gutter, and he's homeless. And he, he goes down to talk to him, and he speaks to him by name. He knows his name because he used to live down there with him. And I just begin to see, my God, what a God we serve. That he doesn't leave you where he found you, that he picks you up, that he transforms your life, that he makes you new, that he turns your life around and he began to witness to him. in this church in Kudachiba, it's a city of two million people, they started a halfway house for drug addicts and people that were on the streets, and from that they've already saved. In two years, thirty people have come in off the street that are now clean from any kind of drug addiction. And out of those thirty people that have come in off the street, over there's three or four of them are now licensed ministers of the gospel, that they're preachers. Let me tell you, there's there's something about redeeming something that was lost. And when you begin to find someone and you begin to invest in them, it's nothing that we have to give, but it's the power of the Holy Ghost. That that can transform and change a life. And I believe that in Sao Paulo, drugs are free on the street. There's a community of over 20,000 people that live on the street. Crack cocaine is basically free. They trade it on the street there. And I just believe that we're gonna be starting a halfway house ministry as well in Sao Paulo. So pray for us because I really believe that that the revival that's gonna come, it's gonna come by redeemed people reaching out and finding people and redeeming them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If you have Isaiah 35, we're going to start at verse number 1, and it says, the wilderness, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version, the wilderness and the wastelands shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, in verse 5, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay. There will be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. I just want to speak for a few moments this morning. uh, I just want to speak for a few moments this morning of waters that heal. I wonder if we can just pray one more time. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the presence that we feel in this place, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you be made manifest in this place. God, that whatever need that has come into this place, God, that you would reach down. God, flood this place with your presence, with your spirit. God, with your glory, we need your touch. We need your anointing. God, anoint these lips of clay. Come on, I wonder if we could just reach out one more time and just say, God, speak into my life, speak into my heart, speak into my mind. For the next 10, 15 minutes, God, I've given you everything that I have, my mind, my heart, my spirit, in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ we pray in Jesus name and you can be seated and we're literally just about to end right now I'm just going to get right to the point in these last days I really believe that there is no time for us to be dry there's no time for us to be parched there's no time for us to think that this is all about ourselves and that we can do it somehow alone It's not time for you to just begin to look at things like, well, I'm just going to do it on my own and I'm content in the dry place and I'm content in the desert place with lack of water, with lack of sustenance. This is the last days that we're living in. If there's ever a time that we need to be jumping headfirst into the water of the Holy Spirit, it is today. If there's ever a time that we need to be connected with the Holy Ghost, it's today and it's right now. If there's ever a time, let me tell you, you can't be connected to God and you can't be connected to his spirit and not be connected to each other. You can't be connected to his purpose and to his will and somehow be separate from the body of Christ. God didn't design this church for you to do it alone. He designed this church to be the one thing that will alter any reality here on earth. It is the church of the living God that he is going to rapture up to heaven. It's the church of the living God that is his bride. Either you are a part of the church or you're not a part of the church. You can't do this alone. Can I get an amen? There is no way that you're going to be able to do this alone. You're not going to get to heaven alone. You're not going to get to glory alone. We might have our differences and we might see things different ways, but the reality of the situation is is that if I'm not connected to my brother, the Bible says that I can't say that I love God and I don't love my brother who I can see. Let me tell you, we have to have a love for one another and what the body of Christ means in this world today if we're ever going to see a move of God, unity will always precede a great move of the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in one mind, in one accord. And when earth began to agree, and when they were all together, let me tell you, heaven responded, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I wonder what would happen if we just begin to be unified in the spirit and say, whatever comes our way as a church, we're going to go forward. There is no barrier that's going to stop us, no enemy that's going to deter us, but God's will is going to be accomplished. The enemy will stop at no lengths to get you out of the will of God so that you are ineffective. He will stop at no lengths to disrupt your family so that the church becomes weak. He will stop at no lengths to attack your marriage so that the church becomes weak. But let me tell you, you have to build up a wall around your heart and around your mind if we're ever going to have a chance in these last days. There have been times in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, we have churches on the outskirts of the city and in the worst slums and places where child sex trafficking happens, and, 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 and it's terrible what you can imagine. People are, are gunned down, and people down there, they, 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 they pray for other reasons. They don't pray that God will just give them a bigger house. We know people in our churches there that they pray for safety. Uh, girls, young girls walk to the bus stop, a mile to the bus stop to get to work two or three hours before work down dark streets and they just pray that, my God, I hope that there's not a man in an alley somewhere waiting because that's happened before. The prayers are of protection and we wonder why there is a miraculous outpouring, but there's an outpouring wherever there is a vessel that is empty. There is an outpouring wherever there is somebody that's just waiting and somebody that's thirsty, somebody that's desiring of it. Let me tell you, when you begin to trust in God, when you begin to trust in His Word, He is going to make a way. We found ourselves going into spiritually dark places to minister and all of a sudden at first we didn't know what it was, but something somewhere would come up and it would attack us and we would feel discontent and all of a sudden doubt would cloud my mind and as we're driving into the slum to minister something, a Bible study, something would come against us and attack us and we didn't know necessarily what it was. Tiffany and I don't argue very often. Um, It was (laughs) a little caveat there. It was something that it would just come and it was unusual and then we just begin to realize what it was. This wasn't anything but from the enemy because the enemy knew that something great was about to happen. Let me tell you, if the enemy is attacking you and your family and your mind, it's because he knows the power of a unified church that is called for his purpose, that is going in one direction for one purpose. The purpose of our church is not for us to just be filled with resources and blessings. It's for us to bless others with our resources. It's for us to be a beacon of light for those who do not have light. It's not for us to just sit and hear good sermons after sermon and messages and wonderful music and feel his presence, but it's for us to be a lighthouse. It's for us to be a well of living water Just so that we can bless somebody that is near us. Healing waters. Dryness should cause you to begin to thirst after Him. When you're in the dry place, it should cause you to desire His presence. David wrote in Psalm 63, he said, Oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. What David is saying, this was one of the moments that David is on the run either from Saul or he's back on the run from his own son Absalom. He's in the desert place and he is dethroned. And I, I was thinking the other day, between Saul and David, that Saul probably had a more comfortable life than David. He wasn't on the battlefield that often. He was kind of in the palace, and besides getting his head lobbed off, Saul, he probably had a more comfortable life than David. David wasn't on the run once, but twice. And one of those times on the run, he is literally in a desert. He is in a place where there is no life, but he says, my soul and 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 my body, it thirsts for you in a place where there is no water. The no water part was an afterthought to what he really thirsted for. It wasn't that there was no provision. Sometimes we get to the place where just because we don't have enough money in our pocket and the car's breaking down and the house needs some repair, that we just start focusing on that and we stop focusing on God. The dry place in your life where you just feel dry and you feel a little bit outside. It's not meant to kill you or to cause you dehydration, but it's meant to push you closer to him. It's meant so that it's not going to be easy for you. Whoever told you that getting in church is going to be easy and make your life easy sold you a wrong bill of rights. He didn't save you so that it would be easy. He saved you so that you could get to heaven. He saved you so that he could redeem your life. And in the dry place, it should cause us to reach after him. In Deuteronomy 11, God tells Israel, He says, I'm taking you out of the land of Egypt and the land that flows in its due season. And, and you can plan the harvest and you can plant, and whatever you plant will grow in the same time that you plant it because it's very predictable. But the land that I'm taking you to, He says in Deuteronomy 11, is a land of hills and valleys that drinks from the rain from heaven. It's not a land that you're going to go and be able to plan everything out. It's a place that you will have total and absolute dependence on God, that if you don't, if God doesn't come through, then it's not going to happen. It's a place that will test and stretch your faith to its very limit. He said, that's the place that I am bringing you to. A dry place should cause us as Christians, as believers, to shake ourselves and to do anything that we can do to get out of it. It should cause us to look to his sanctuary like it did to David. He said, David said, morning and night, I am going to seek you. What he was saying is that I will begin my day in your presence and then I'll also end my day in your presence. In the morning, before anything can get to me, before any problems arise in my life, I'm going to make do and seek you in the morning. And he said, your power and your glory are what I desire to see because your loving kindness is better than life. What David was saying is that your friendship, God, your closeness is better than life. Let me tell you, if you can just find in the dry place, get close to his presence, you're going to come out of that dry spell and you're going to come in to a new dimension of blessing and a favor with God. The difference is is that we cannot get content in the dry place. You ought to thank God for the dry place, that it brought you closer to him. I might get excommunicated for this, but there was was a country song that said, God bless the broken road. Come on, somebody. Don't act all holy on me now. Because it led me back to you. (laughs) In the same way, God bless the dry place. Because it led me back to your presence. It led me back to realizing what's really important in life is not my possessions. Possessions will burn and they won't be around forever. They're not eternal. They're temporal. But what really matters in my life is his presence and it's his anointing and it's his power that I want to see in my life. I'm going to come to a close in just a minute. It's the dryness, it's absence of moisture, it's in the desert. Place In Jeremiah 17, the Bible says in verse 5, it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and who makes his flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be a shrub in the desert and will not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, and a land that is not inhabited. But then he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. What he is saying is that you you have two choices here. You can get to a dry place and you can just put up shop and think this is how it's supposed to be. Temporal blessings. Feeling just the shiver up my spine every now and then when the music gets going good. Receiving prayer, coming to the house of God, leaving and dealing with the same mess that you came in dealing with. Never really actually diving into the water, but actually just being content with what's around you. You see, a shrub, it doesn't need much to survive. It doesn't bear fruit, it doesn't have leaves, and it doesn't offer shade or covering. It just is there by default. It's just sitting there, and it gets the dew every now and then, and it just putts along, and it continues. And the Bible says if you trust in your hand, if you trust in other man, and if you trust in your strength, you're going to be like a shrub. You're not going to bear fruit. The desert is going to be around you, and the desert's going to be in you because you'll be barren. But he says the man who trusts in the Lord, and he hearkens back to Psalm chapter 1, It's going to be like a tree that's planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. What it's saying is that the opposition will come against the tree that's planted by the water. Don't ever think that because you're in the will of God that there's not going to be opposition. Don't ever think that because you're praying and when you begin to pray and fast, that opposition somehow dissipates and it goes away. That's not really how it works but what happens is when you just begin to get on the right track, the heat is going to be hot, and the desert's still going to be there. But the Bible says that the tree that's planted by the river, that even though the desert is around it, the desert is not in it. It's still going to bear forth fruit because it's connected to a source that is greater than what's around it. Let me tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You might be in a dry, in a desert place right now, but if what's in you is water, if what's in you is life, let me tell you, that's what makes it greater that's in you. And Isaiah, and we're going to come to a close here, 35, he says, In these last days, the wilderness will be glad and the desert shall rejoice. In Ezekiel 47, he speaks of the same thing, that there's going to come a time, and if you go to Israel out of Jerusalem, waters are going to leave and go east towards the Dead Sea, a place that, where there is no life, and it's going to restore life that's there, and there's going to be fish where there, are no, where there were no fish, and all of a sudden there's going to be a blessing where there seemed to be no blessing. But some of us, we need to realize and take a decision. Are you content living in the ankle-deep section of the water, or do you really want God to reach down to your life and to your family, to the most intimate parts of you, and say, let there be life? What will determine the outpouring of God is whether or not you are empty. What's going to determine if God is going to pour out his blessings is, is there anything in me? Is there a vessel that's in me that's willing, that's ready to hold what he is going to pour out? Jesus said in John chapter 7, he gives one commandment, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I wonder if there's anybody, if we can come to a stand right now. now. You've been in a dry place for too long. And you thirst after God, but God's saying don't trust in yourself and don't trust in what you can bring to the table because without me, you are nothing. Well, what Isaiah is saying here is that when his kingdom is established, when his reign comes and his authority comes and Zion comes back, that the desert place is going to bring back life. That the lame are going to leap and the eyes of the blind are going to be open and the deaf ears will be unstopped. And he said that the wilderness that was a wasteland, the place that you were in that was so dry that seemed like you would never get out, it's going to rejoice in him. We can trust in God in these last days. We can be connected to his purpose and to his will. Or we can trust in ourselves and be a shrub that doesn't bear fruit. But I don't know about you but I just want to be used of God. I want, to, I want God's presence to flow in me. I want to be a tree that's planted by the water that the heat's not going to take it down and it's, not, it's going to bear forth fruit in its due season. Come on, I wonder if there's anybody here that could just begin to boldly declare I'm going to be coming out of my dry season. This isn't the season of dryness in the last days. It's the season of connectedness. It's the season of blessing. It's, it's the time of new anointing, of new oil. God said in the last days, the former and the latter rains are going to be combined and that the grain is going to come and the oil and the wine that you're not going to be wanting in these last days. Come on, I wonder if you can just begin to lift up your voice and lift up your hand if you're willing that God fills you up. Come on, if you're feeling dry and you're feeling empty, that's just a precursor to what God is wanting to do in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now, pour out of your spirit upon all flesh right now. Come on, I wonder if you can just begin to lift up your voice and say, God, I'm going to leave this desert place. Come on, these altars are open if you want to seek him right now. This isn't time for us to be satisfied in the dry place. It's time for us to get connected to what God is going to do and say, God, I welcome your reign. God, I welcome your authority. God, I welcome your kingdom in my life. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I wonder if we can really just begin to push right now. Come on, for you to leave the desert place, you have to welcome his reign. For you to leave the dry place, it's, it's for you to welcome his reign and say, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust in you.
0: God, I'm going to seek you. Come on, he's going to make a way where there seemed to be no way.